Welcome to VCR, Vintage Cinema Rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. And I'm Michael. And get out of your pants, Michael! <laughs> because we're doing Tremors. Woo! Wow, normally I open up with a quote from the movie, but... <laughs> yeah, I had a good one there. So. Yeah, you did. I'm glad I let you take that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was better when you didn't expect it as well. Yeah, I so. know. <laughs> yeah, it's the deep dive for Tremors from 1990. One of my favorite movies, my favorite Kevin Bacon movie. It's a really great B horror comedy film highly recommend it if you've never seen this movie this isn't the episode for you go back check out our primary episode where we do a deep or not do a deep dive on it spoiler free discussion there this is our spoiler full discussion assuming that you've checked this one out yeah stupid go watch it and then subscribe (laughs) and tell your friends like and subscribe and tell your dad (laughs) right but yeah no let's just get right into it like this movie has a the plot isn't super deep or anything, but it's just so fun that there's so many parts that I want to discuss with you. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I didn't really think about that. This is almost more of like a situation kind of movie. Yeah. You know no, that's I a good mean? way to put it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and a lot of it, too, is like the way it's written is like, okay, we this is the monster that we have here. How do we put these characters in like really ridiculous situations where the monster can capitalize on them? Right. Like yeah. and even the, the whole pogo stick thing, right? Like oh, is a yeah, good example yeah, yeah. of that. I also liked that. Like, even though this is a comedy, they still do a good job, like building and escalating tension. You know what I mean? Yes. The stakes get bigger as we go. Yeah. Like spoiler alert. And it's the spoiler section. So would you, I don't have to say that anymore. Like, <laughs> The monsters actually do get surprisingly smarter as the movie goes on. Yeah, that's kind of like one of their shticks, right? Is that at, at first glance, these are kind of dumb char- like monsters, but they learn from what the characters do and kind of change their strategies up as they go. I actually think the scene where they're back, they've escaped and they're back in the town and then the monsters attack and start like almost demolishing the homes... I was kind of like, I was like, this is actually a little bit scary. Yeah, like some of the implication of it is pretty wild. Like I said, the stakes aren't high, but they also are like, you know, for this town of 14 people, like this is their entire world, right? And so there's these monsters that have come into town. And like you said, like it's kind of Western-y almost in that sense as well, right? These monsters have rode into town and the townsfolk have to band together to save the day. Yeah, and like they do a good job showing how isolated this town is from nowhere. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. There were a couple moments early on in the movie where I'm like, can't they just leave? But then I'm like, oh yeah, they can't. (laughs) (laughs) They literally can't because the road ends up getting blown up by accident. Right. And then, you know, like they even make a quote, well, let's just call our way out of here. And it's like, we can't call out of here because we're in the middle of Nevada, the Nevada mountains and, yeah. you know, our phones don't work. Or like, it's like, don't you have a CB radio? And it's like, I can't get a signal that far because of the mountains. I was like, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's all like really well written. Like every, I think the writers probably sat in their room together and were like, okay, well, what about this scenario? What if somebody questions this? well, we'll write it like this. Like, it really feels like a lot of the bases are covered here. Yeah, essentially. I mean, again, this is a kind of movie that you can't make nowadays because you could just tweet, like, town under attack, frowny face, send help. <laughs> yeah, I I almost spoiled my fun surprise for later, but I'm going to save that for okay. now. But I agree with you for now. Okay. <laughs> 
Interesting. But anyway. Blake is, hey, for those of you at home, Blake is being really cagey right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I'm, how to and, feel about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, like the the basis, you know, our, our two main characters, Val and Earl, just two handy men doing odd jobs around perfection for beer money, basically. They're both kind of knuckleheads, which is the best way to put them. Just delightful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love I love how the movie opens and they're like putting up the fence and like they're not even good at their jobs. Like Val is just like pounding on the thing, like trying to hit the nail. Like it's so ridiculous. You know what's funny is that because like this movie establishes itself as a comedy right away, but like they're hammering in this post and I was just waiting for one of them to like hit their thumb with the hammer and then be like, ow. But then the scene ended and that didn't happen. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> this movie has a little restraint, I guess. A little bit. But, like, the fact that he's just sitting there just, like, hammering ridiculously and not hitting the nail at all, like, yeah, made me get I know. Oh, yeah. And then, like, they're draining a septic tank and they fuck it up and they get shit all over themselves. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really gross. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if that happened to me, honestly, like, and we had plumbing issues at our place, like, yeah, I, I would just about quit at that point as well. It, it's it's maybe the worst feeling in the world. You would quit, like, life at that point. Yeah, <laughs> I almost did at that point oh, gross. when we are having our plumbing issues. So mm. <laughs> it is pretty nasty. Gross. So And and all made all the worse by Melvin freaking giggling and the, like, side at them. Yeah, insult to injury, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, you brought up a good point in, like, the primer episode how, like, Earl has kind of taken Val under his wing and is like trying to make Val a better person as well, right? Like sure, he's like, yeah. you know, we we really should be planning ahead. We should we should be like, you know, trying to plan our week, trying to like maximize how much money we he's can like, make, how many jobs we can do. It's Monday and I'm already thinking about Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is one of my favorite quotes at the end later too, where he's like, We plan ahead so that we don't do anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. The movie established itself itself very well as like the silly, goofy comedy, and then adds in like the Evil Dead like camera all over the place, and then eventually, you know, we get some of the townsfolk in their remote homes getting murdered without anybody around to see ex- them get murdered except for us. One of the best like ways that Val and Earl are introduced to the monsters is because one of the townsfolk, Edgar they just see him like sitting on an electrical tower, like a hundred feet up yeah. <laughs> as they're like driving out of town. Honestly, it's a really cool scene in a sense, because there's this man who's sitting up at the top and he's not responding to them. Like it's kind of like eerie that this guy is just sitting up there kind of thing. Like they're off put by it. It also kind of starts to lend itself to, I think one of the charms of this movie is the characters never have complete information, right? Like at no point in time is the monsters ever like solved. Like we don't, we don't go back to like some alien space race, dropping them off on earth or anything like that. Like everybody's just kind of speculating, doing their best to like with what they've got on hand. Yeah. There's that scene where Earl and Val and um, Rhonda are just kind of sitting on the rocks and they all have their own theories. Like, Earl thinks they came from outer space. Rhonda thinks they might be like prehistoric creatures that have been woken up. And like Ur- Val thinks they're like mutants or something. So, right. Yeah. And it never explains it. And that's, I, again, 
in my opinion, part of the charm of the film. Yeah, it almost kind of would have been like a wasted scene if like someone had just been like, oh, like remember in Piranha where there's the mad scientist doctor who's just like, yeah. ah, what does he do? Like he's just like, what are you doing? And he just attacks <laughs> the characters. <laughs> no explanation whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's I like, mean, all right, use your words, guys. Yeah. No, like everybody, everybody is doing their best in this film. Like the gummers go back to their home and they use the walkie-talkie because they're within the same area to basically like walkie-talkie to the gummers. Hey, you guys need to be careful. There's worms. They can hear vibrations. Like, stay alert kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, and it's funny how Bert is remarkably like receptive to the idea. He's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's a prepper, right? Yeah. Like He's prepped for anything except for this. That's, that is one of my favorite favorite plot points of the entire movie is that they like they've built this entire like prepper compound and everything and the only thing that they basically haven't prepped for is worms coming up into their like basement yeah i know it's so funny like as they're driving away and their home has been destroyed he's just kind of like all that ammunition and all that years worth of food (laughs) yeah so upset yeah again one of those like little points of the film that are just really great at building this world and making this world feel really lived in yeah really like all the characters have very defined personalities except for nestor (laughs) yeah (laughs) nestor i got it god bless nestor he's just kind of (laughs) there yeah yeah i don't even think he does anything uh uh he just dies doesn't he oh yeah he does die at one point right (laughs) i remember something threatening was happening i'm like Oh, no, they're going to kill the guy with less dialogue than everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, doesn't he? Like, he's the guy who tries to hide in, like, a tire. Yes, and and it, like, and you're just like, no, don't get on the tire. What are you doing? And they're like, hey, Nestor, you got to do better. And then, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The buildup to the monsters getting to the, like, town are is really great like right like the first kill of the film that we see like not edgar hiding up in his up in his electrical tower is the old guy who has all of his sheep right and then it's fred sorry um and he's fred's got this little flock of sheep and then, oh yeah I, for, I forgot about fred and then they find fred like after they've grabbed edgar down from up on the tower which side note like that would be a really hard task to carry a dead body. I mean, he's dehydrated, I guess, so he probably wouldn't weigh a whole lot, but... Still a body. <laughs> yeah, not a fun job, but the idea of Fred's flock of sheep all being horribly murdered, and then Fred being murdered, and then finding Fred's severed head, uh, which leads to like the really funny moment when they drive by the guys doing construction work, and they're like, there's a serial killer on this that's cut people's heads off! <laughs> That was pretty funny. And then that leads to the construction workers getting killed and then accidentally causing the rock slide to basically cut off their only access to the town so nobody can go and get help. Right, yeah. The film does a really good job of, like, setting all of these things up and, like, establishing stuff. Like, the film establishes a lot of things really early on and then calls them back later, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the idea that Mindy... Her pastime is pogo sticking, like the big tractor that they have in town. Like that's in the opening, one of the opening scenes of the film. Like right, the yeah. the like big dump truck like thing that they 
hook up to the tractor to carry all the townsfolk out of town. Like all of this stuff is actually like, if you're paying attention, if you're watching this for a second time, it's all very apparent stuff that's on going on in the background. Like everybody's using what they have at their disposal. Yeah, no. And I mean, even Rhonda, we meet her in like the second or third scene and she's like, yeah, I'm a grad student studying seismology. I'm getting some weird readings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is, Great name for the movie, as a side note, uh, The Tremors, but also, like, you know, establishes, like, connects us to the name of the film. Like, it puts a character who is fish out of water, like, with Brady, Chief Brady in Jaws. Like, it's somebody who that maybe the townsfolk can turn to kind of thing. And and she does become that person, even though, like, there's at one point, there's one of my favorite quotes from her in the movie where she's like, why do you guys keep deferring me? I don't know any more than you guys yeah, do. Yeah, I did thing, like right? how, like, she is kind of there for exposition, but, like, she's not that much more informed than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very well-written character, in my opinion, like, and a key part of all of this and then yeah and then they try to get back they go back to town they they tell everybody what's happening they try to leave they can't kind of thing they try to ride to the neighbor town of bigsby with horses to get help that doesn't go so well (laughs) no that leads to like one of the best graboid kill scenes of the film where the graboid like tries to attack them and they end up jumping across like a, a cemented ravine and it just runs directly into it. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I'm going to be controversial. I kind of had a problem with that scene. Why is that? Just because it was still early on in the movie, and I thought it kind of deflated some of the tension that it was building. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. like, this sandworm just brained itself against a concrete wall, and I'm supposed to take these things seriously now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's But that's the thing about the, the creatures is that they're dumb and then they learn from their mistakes kind of thing and that's part of the fun of the stakes of the movie is that these creatures are not all that intelligent even as they're getting more intelligent they're just learning like basic things here and there they're not like you know they're not walking around at any point in time it's not like you know they evolve or anything like that so no yeah i just felt that it was a kind of I would have liked it more if they just jumped and then the creature slithered off. You know what I mean? I thought it was kind of just... Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe they had to kill it so that they could have the scene where they're, like, picking at it and they start to really understand what's going on. But, like... Right. Yeah, I kind of had a pro. I felt like there might have been a way to do that a little better. Mm. Or kill That's it a fair. little differently. Yeah, I mean, on the flip side, though, you have two characters that we've talked about being not all that bright and they kind of, like, happy accident themselves into the first kill of the move the yeah, film yeah i guess i just you know what i don't mind the heroes bumbling their way through a tense encounter but i kind of have a problem with like the villain bumbling its way through a tense encounter you know what i mean like in mm-hmm. most stories the villain usually starts off like as a much 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 bigger it usually the villain is usually much much more competent and better equipped than the hero you know yeah what I mean? and i mean in a in a sense, yes, and and in a sense it, that does happen, right? Because we see four characters get murdered. Actually, six characters get murdered because we haven't even mentioned the fact that the doctor and his wife get horribly murdered overnight while the, at their home that they're building. Oh on yeah, side of town. In the scene where they discover the car fully underground, that was actually yeah. like very well done. 
Oh yeah, and and like even the monsters like sucking the car down to get uh the wife out of the car basically. Like that is like a really really great scene. I'm actually surprised that's not one of the scenes iconic scenes on movie clips on YouTube because like for me that's I think that's one of the best horror sequences of the film. I would agree. Yeah, it's actually one of the few genuinely terrifying moments of the movie. Mhm. We can we can pick apart that little scene as much as you and I want, but for me, I, I'm not as offended by that as as you are. I wouldn't obviously. say I was offended, but it is. It's one of my. It's one of my complaints with the movie. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And then you know, after that, they have to get onto the rocks to avoid being eaten from the next worm because they identify. And and again, this goes back to all of Rhonda's studying that she's doing. They identify that there's probably approximately four of them. That actually was a great moment when they kill the first graboid and then she whips out her her like seismograph charts and she's like, hey, there's four more. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 And then that's when they get on the rocks. We get such a fun pole vaulting scene. And that's really the scene where Rhonda really like develops as a character because, she, you know, she she instead of just being exposition, like you said, at, at this up until this point in time. They're trying to come up with their own plan to get out of there. They're not even listening to her. And then she grabs the pole vaulting and she's like, how's your pole vaulting, boys? And then, yeah, like, that really know, was like, a, that was a scene straight out of a comedy. Like, they're ignoring her because they're arguing and she just does it. I would argue that this is the greatest pole vaulting scene in a film ever. Okay, you know what? I'll let you have that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Honestly, I can't even think of another movie where pole vaulting is as prominent as it is in this one. And again, it. it's it's one of my favorite shots of the entire film. Uh, the score kind of picks up in a really fun way at this point as well. It's not something that you ever notice, as you say, but for me, even re-watching the scene this evening before we started recording, I was like, yeah, this, this score hits. No, really I, I well did right notice here. that one. I was just kind of like the movie being like, yeah, we're having a good time, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Not taking itself too seriously kind of thing. Yeah. Like, we have fun here. Yeah. Really creative solution to their problem. And then them driving away with Rhonda, just like they literally jump in the back of the truck. Rhonda sticks her head in through the back window, turns on the car, has like one hand on the steering wheel and one hand on like the gas pedal. And they just floored out of there that's that's awesome that's so fun (laughs) it was pretty funny yeah and then they're all like yeah we did it and she's like could you guys give me a little help here (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) we've already mentioned this a little bit in the primer episode actually but the gummer compound is utilized like really really well like it's one of your favorite scenes in the movie i think Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's my favorite the gummers are the preppers. They have a million guns. Every single gun at their disposal, like that you could possibly buy, is like on their wall, their shelf. Like a ridiculous amount of weapons. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. And then the only thing that Bert and Helen Gummer haven't planned for is worms coming up through their basement. And suddenly one breaks into their wall. And yet he has an elephant gun on standby. Oh my God. The elephant gun is my favorite. That's one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is when he breaks the glass and it's like, oh my God, is that an elephant gun? I know, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's amazing. And then he he ends up, they eventually kill it. And then I love how serious he is as well. Like he's just a very serious character at all times. And and like you said earlier as well, like they're never phased about this. Like they're kind of like, yeah, this could happen. We're like, <laughs> you know, like, they don't I question guess this it. is our lives now. Yeah. <laughs> There's that great moment later on when he's building all these bombs 
It's like, what kind of fuse is this? He's like, it's a cannon fuse. He's like, what's it for? My cannon. <laughs> <laughs> he says it, and you're like, yeah, this guy would probably own a cannon. <laughs> yeah, really. And even just like as the worms eventually make their way to town, as they accidentally draw the the worms to town, right? Like that part of the movie is, again, one of my favorite parts of the movie because all of the, you know, everybody kind of bands together is trying to survive at the same time. Like, again, there's so many little ideas, things that come up early on in the movie that get called back to, like the Pepsi machine that isn't working, that starts rumbling when they're all trying to be quiet and then the worms come up through the floors after they've all like jumped on the machine to try to stop it from (laughs) working (laughs) uh mindy jumping on her pogo stick and and then being like oh where's mindy and then you just hear like everybody's quiet and you just hear boing 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 boing. boing. (laughs) yeah oh i i love how this movie sets up our characters in into these situations it's pretty great. It's pretty fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The town the town is just fully, fully realized, like, in this movie. You know? Like, nothing goes to waste. I love the scene where uh, the Mexican guy, he takes, like, a Land Rover and he, like, ties it up and they use it as a distraction to distract the Graboids. Well, like, he doesn't... Right. He ties, like, a shirt... The to, lawnmower. The lawnmower, yeah. He tries, like, a... Um, I don't know. Like, he ties his shirt around the steering wheel and then just sends it off so it can distract... Yeah the graboids yeah so that val can run to the massive like 30 ton truck or whatever it is so mm-hmm. that they can drive their way out of there because they don't think the worms can can suck it into the ground yeah no that was that was that was very charming and then they get out of town and they go and pick up like bert and helen which is really fun like the worms are starting to figure out like how to mess with them and how to mess with the vehicle a little bit. So like there's there's a sense of urgency the whole movie as well, right? Mm-hmm. Let's I just want, let's jump ahead for a minute. How yep. did you like how Kevin Bacon killed the final graboid? I think it's a pretty iconic way to kill yeah, the final graboid. Yeah, I I liked it. I liked the callback to the whole stampede thing which he brings yep. up in the first scene. And then I just loved how enthusiastically he runs away and he's just like, I got a goddamn plan. <laughs> yeah. For like the first time he has a plan the entire film, like boom, character. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He had an arc. Well, and even, even rewatching that scene too, like that's one of the, again, it's, that's one of the clips on movie clips. And it's like one of the most iconic scenes of the film too, because like he goes running and then the worm jumps up right beside Earl. And then, so Earl goes running after him. So he doesn't get eaten. And then they're like, Oh, like where's the lighter. And then like Rhonda like reaches in her pocket. She like runs behind him. She's like, I got the lighter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but as a, as a side note, one of the best parts of the movie, too, is when they blow up one of the first worms. Like, well, so basically what happens is the eventually the worms figure out how to, like, completely mess with the truck. And so the townsfolk are forced to seek shelter on the rocks, right? Because we, we've established early on in the film that the rocks are too heavy. They're just you just can't move them like they're they're inside the earth. And so the worms can't get you when you're on the rocks. Mm-hmm. And so when he basically lassoes the bomb out and then blows the worm up, 
I like one of my favorite parts of the movie is everybody's cheering like, yeah, we did it. And then all of these worm guts just like oh, yeah, rain, rain down, down on them. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? They keep cheering. They're not even deterred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, even before that scene as well, Melvin, a character who's been set up as just annoying little shit the entire movie right he basically does even like the faux pas of like the thing that you don't do which always ends up leading with a character getting murdered which is like playing a a jump scare for jokes right like he we haven't even talked about this at all but like val and earl when they're trying to get away from the the two guys that have been killed while they were working on the road and one of the tentacles of right, the grab boy right. has grabbed their car right and then they they managed to actually rip it out of the graboid's mouth while they were driving away, which is really fun because I think the first time you watch this, you're you're gonna have no idea that there's a graboid latched to their car at this point, right? Like, there's nothing to suggest that something could yeah, something's you think their powerful car is just enough. Fucking up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they get back there, and this is our one of our first like you know real scenes of the monster where the graboid is like attached to the end of their car and then we get an even bigger realization later on and this is actually something that i'm going to talk about in effects and filming but like we realize actually quite late in the film that these these little like tentacle things that we think are the main threat here are actually just like basically the tongues of the monster and the monster is freaking huge i know right yeah that was a pretty good... They established that very well in the scene with the Doctor where you see all the tentacles like lashing at the windshield and then you're like, oh, she's safe. But then the camera lingers on her for a little too long and I'm like, no, she isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then the creature just closes its jaws around the whole car. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, sorry. So I'm talking about this little shit, Melvin. And Melvin, basically, we get like... There's just a little bit of like redemption to all of melvin and the fact that well they're tr they decide that they can't survive on the car they're not going to be able to get out of the area just on the massive truck alone so they decide to make a run for it for the rocks and everybody gets a weapon melvin doesn't want to go and bert hands him this oh yeah, big yeah, yeah. Revolver, i forgot right? about that Again, it's just like that little bit of justice for Melvin because they start running and Melvin Melvin's just super pumped that he has this big revolver in his hand and he starts trying to shoot at the monster and it's full of like, it's empty. The whole gun is empty, right? Again, that little bit of justice that Melvin has for him that like, you know, you're screwing around, you're not trusted with the gun, that this is what you get basically. Yeah, really. It's just like little details like that throughout this film. There's so many little details like that that I really, really appreciate about the writing. Like, this is a very well-written story. Yeah, no, it's it's very well done. But yeah, I think that's like, that's the bulk of the story in a nutshell. Like, what do you think of the, how do you like the ending? How do you like kind of how the story wraps up? I did like it. Like, it was very cheesy how Kevin Bacon killed the final sandworm, but it worked. Yes. Like, the shot of it, falling off the cliff and landing on the rocks and then just splattering. I was kind of right. like, cool, but... uh, And then there's the final thing with him and... Uh, what's her name? Rhonda. And yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I liked it. You know, I, I, I kind of liked how, you know, he had... It's another little... It's not much, but it's a little more substance to his character, right? Like, you know, like a lot of young men, he has right. a very specific, hyper-specific 
like vision of what his ideal woman looks like. And then him and Rhonda, him and Rhonda hit it off and he's just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, so. Yeah, 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 exactly. And well, and actually, I actually want to mention at this point as well that there's actually, um, and if you have the DVD, you can check this out. There's an alternate ending to the film. I did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Val and er Earl, they just leave for Bixby forever and Val and, and Rhonda don't get together. They basically, I guess at the end, they look for their lighter uh, and realize that Rhonda still has it. So they decide to turn around as they're heading out of town and go back and get it. The test audience hated it because, you know, it doesn't it doesn't provide any closure for Val and Rhonda. Right. And actually, that's something that was noted in theaters is people would chant like while they were watching this movie, kisser, 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 as the movie was ending kind of thing. Like it, it just it's a triumph for the film, right? Yeah. And like, there's all those moments where like Earl is very clearly pushing them together. Like he keeps shooting like Kevin Bacon, these looks like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, like, yeah. "Mm -hmm." Like clearly like it pans over to him and he's like, "Mm -hmm." Mm -hmm. yeah, really? So (laughs) there's a couple moments where you're like, she uses his jacket when she's like sleeping and all that's when they're sleeping on the rocks. And you know, that whole thing about how he has this, like he's got all those pictures of like this actress on his sun visor. And then right. at the end, when she sort of talked to him, he just very like discreetly throws them all away. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely like both of the actors do a really good job of like creating a bit of sexual tension between the two of them. Like yeah. you can definitely feel it in this film, right? Yeah. One of my favorite parts was when um, they go and they talk to each other and it's like very awkward and stilted and lingering. And then she yeah. walks away and then Earl's like, Hmm. And then Kevin Bacon's like, I'm working up to it. I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> That's funny because like, we've all been there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a really good point, honestly. Yeah. And then he's like following her. He's like, oh, shucks. Like, what is she going to want with a guy like me? She's going to get her PhD. And then they kiss and the movie ends. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's all the big points that I wanted to talk about about the story. It's just, it's a ton of fun. There's like a lot of campy humor to it. Like it's just, it's a movie that's really right up my alley. This is, this is a Blake movie. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I wouldn't have thought this would be a Blake movie, but I can, I can see it. Yeah. I really like movies that have, don't take themselves too seriously, that have a good amount of comedy and just want to have a fun time i'm looking for a fun time at my movies more often than not this is a movie your dad would probably like too especially (laughs) because kevin bacon's in it although actually if kevin bacon's in it your mom might really like it (laughs) actually jess finds kevin bacon scary looking so you know what i you know what i will say like like i said earlier i'm only really familiar with crispy kevin bacon it was surreal seeing a young kevin bacon you know what i mean i was just a young like weird haired kevin bacon especially because like i'm looking at him i'm like i can't tell if you're 25 or 40 (laughs) (laughs) yeah the hairstyle does not do him justice that's for sure no really but alas true so effects and filming i was actually going to mention first that there is actually like a a cryptozoology kind of tie to this and i don't i don't know that you know there was a ton of connection to the film in terms of like uh, history behind them actually writing about these, but Mongolian death worms are a legend of the Mongolian desert. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm Googling I, that right now. Mongolian death worms. They're actually also the basis for, or, or considered one of the basis for dunes worms as well. Huh. 
they have a Wikipedia page. I never heard of them before I started doing research, but they are very interesting ideas as well. So, you interesting. Yeah. And actually, that's something that I will share on this podcast as well at this point is that I have probably about two irrational fears and worms are one of my irrational fears. And maybe that's why I, I like this movie so much is um, this movie is kind of like my bats to my Batman, you know? <laughs> I did not know you. Ha- I've known you for 31 years and I did not know you were scared of worms. Deathly afraid of worms. All of them parasitic. The ones that go in, in are in the ground giant earthworms Ugh. giant <laughs> okay. earthworms Ugh. i guess this is why you've never invited me fishing oh yeah touch <laughs> it I, I i physically cannot con come into contact with worms that's how much they bother me when it rains out it's a hard time for me okay interesting i promise to never use this information against you i cannot <laughs> say the same for our viewers yeah Okay, well, you know what? Just because that was humiliating and embarrassing and unmanually, I will join you. One of my irrational fears is moths. Interesting. I really don't I like moths. I think they're weird. Yeah. So, like, every time a moth comes fluttering towards me, I flinch a little. <laughs> well, you know what? This podcast is going to be a little cathartic for both of us now here. I guess so. I guess we need Just to watch... it out to the world. We need to watch, like, a Godzilla movie moth with Mothra in it. Yeah, or Mothman. <laughs> So. Actually, that's a movie that is on our list of movies to watch at some point because I've never seen it, and the original is supposed to be very good. So, okay, I've never even heard of it, so I'm interested. Mm. The writing, I so the idea behind this film. So the two writers worked for the U.S. Navy. They used to do filming um, for the U.S. Navy. I think for advertising stuff. Um, so they were huh. making a an advertisement in, in the Californian desert. Um, and so while they were, they were sitting on a rock taking a break and they, one of them went like, what would happen if something like underground wouldn't let us get off this rock kind of thing. And it's a really simple idea, but it's, it's Oh, really, interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the floor is lava kind of idea. And, and that's kind of part of the fun of this film is mm-hmm. the floor is lava or Mongolian death worm lava. It's a really simple premise that just works. Interesting. Yeah. And you know what? I, like I said in um, our best of of 2023, I do like simple, straightforward movies a lot of the time. You know what I mean? That just take a premise and run with it. And this is definitely one of those movies. Yeah. Takes place over a couple days. Like, very simple premise. Mm-hmm. It was shot, the whole movie was shot in, on site in Lone Pine, California. So that's where all of this beautiful, picturesque, uh, mountainy desert is if you wanted to go visit that area they don't have the original set anymore they tore it down unfortunately but i'm sure some town has some sort of like there's probably there's probably some small town in california that has like a tremors you know tie-in goofiness i'm to sure it. there's a small town somewhere that has based its entire economy around this movie <laughs> mm-hmm this kind of goes back to the primer episode, but I said that like everybody had a lot of fun on set and, and this was an important movie for Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon actually hated this film <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> That's really funny. He took this for money. Like he basically at this point in time in his life, he had just been married. His wife was pregnant when he agreed to do this movie. Um, he thought that this movie was completely going to kill his career. Won't even like acknowledge the movie's existence while he was in interviews and stuff like that. Like he called it the worst thing he ever did. And eventually like came around on the whole movie because it became iconic eventually. And he said, it's actually like the most fun 
movie that he's actually made in his entire career. Wow, what a turnaround. <laughs> yeah, so in uh, 2020, in an interview, he said, when I was making Tremors, I was very depressed and at a low point in my life, and I kind of blamed Tremors for all that. I was bitter against it. I thought it was a career killer. I never watched my movies more than once, some movies I've never even seen before, and I have no desire to, but I've watched Tremors a dozen times. I love it so much, and I spend years trying to capture the same energy we had on the set of Tremors. It's my favorite film of all time. Okay, so... Or it's one of my favorite films. Okay, all, all right. So he, he, he came around. Yeah, and I'm on the same page as Kevin Bacon. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, it is just a blast. I, I, I like to have fun at the movies, and this is certainly one of those times where you're going to have fun. Yeah, I also like the length, too. Like, it's an hour and a half. Yeah, that is. The- yeah, we don't really get that, especially in 2023, 2024. Like, our movies are two and a half, three and a half hours kind of thing. Yeah, like- I don't know when that started happening, when all blockbusters had to be epics, but, like... Yeah. This is a great, that is the perfect length for this movie. I feel like if this movie had been like five minutes longer, it would have overstayed its welcome. 90 to 95 minute films are perfect for this genre. And it makes them also slightly more rewatchable in that sense too, right? Because you know what you're getting into and you know your time commitment. You know, like if if you're if you're looking for a movie at like 8.30 and you want to be in bed by like 10.30, boom. Boom. Throw this on. There you, you go. Thirty minutes afterwards to like get ready for bed, kind of thing, right? Like this is a movie that you can you can watch a little bit later in the evening. You know, like you've gotten home from something, like you go out for dinner with people, you get home around eight nine o'clock, and throw Tremors on, kind of thing, right? Like, you know, yeah, have a little fun, go to bed. <laughs> have a little fun, then go to bed. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I live my life. Me too. And bedtime just keeps getting earlier and earlier and earlier. <laughs> I'm having the opposite problem right now, but that's because of the COVID that I've been dealing with, which I haven't acknowledged during this, but that's why I sound weird right now. Maybe. I I I sound slightly off. I feel like. I don't feel like you sound slightly off at all, but then (laughs) my attention to detail has never been the stuff of legends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ooh, talking about stuff that the studio kind of forced upon the movie a little bit that I think actually worked pretty effectively. So near the beginning of the movie, Rhonda is like being stalked by the graboids like and there's the little like claw tentacles that come out and try to grab her Mm -hmm. in the original film the original script that actually didn't happen the filmmakers wanted to like kind of delay it as long as possible because they wanted it to like think that as an audience that maybe there was a chance that there was a serial killer on the loose and they wanted to make it like the monster movie aspect of it a surprise. But I, I don't think that would have worked for this film. Like, No, it would not have. <laughs> because you would have had to, like, again, some scenes like the scene where old Fred is killed, like with his sheep, like the, the scenes where the, the rock collapse happens, like stuff like that, like wouldn't have worked in that idea of the film. But at the end of the day, like, this is a B-horror movie. Like, this is a monster movie. And to to try to make that a surprise, I think I think even in a sense, like, you're going to alienate your audience a little bit, right? Like, the audience that's turning up to come see a B-horror movie isn't going to be the same audience necessarily that wants to see some serial killer stalking people and slashing people. Like, those are two different genres. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would have just been weird and confusing. Yeah, I mean, if you went in expecting a serial killer movie and it turned out to be sandworms, like, Mm -hmm. that's a bold prank to play on the audience. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And on the note of the 
the worms themselves like the less is more aspect something that we've talked about when we did jaws as well like sometimes you know sometimes you're forced to do a, a less is more take especially when you're doing like monsters pre-cgi and they've got to be there they're realistic they're animatronics um or it's stop motion kind of thing and like using a taking a less is more approach to it is not only like makes the filming easier to handle Mm -hmm. but it also like it builds tension a lot better and and that's one where they had to do that because again to work with these giant worms like is very difficult so that actually was something that they ended up coming up with very early on. Like one of the really smart filming decisions was to make the little like tentacle things. That was actually a, a budgeting decision to make those so that they could use those where possible. Cause they're like, at some points they're puppets at some point they're animatronics with like cables attached to them kind of thing. Like to use those is, it's a lot easier to run with that. But then as well, it kind of delays like, the big impact of like oh wait no we're actually dealing with this gigantic monster that we can't just like kill or shoot kind of thing necessarily very easily right yeah interesting i do want to say as well during this part that there were no horses harmed in the making of this film i was gonna i was gonna ask they looked pretty uh those are some striking effects. It's probably one of the most traumatic scenes in the movie, right? When they're they're trying to ride out of town and the horses get spooked. One of them runs away. The other one like lays down and then gets eaten by the monster. Mm-hmm. So they had a vet on site as well as the American Humane Association that was present like during all of the scenes with the horses. Like they trained the horse to like lay down so that it would lay down. And then they had like a, a fake horse when it was getting bit and stuff like that mm. in the scene there. So don't don't worry. This isn't our uh, Ben-Hur of the film or of our uh, year. No horses were hurt in the making of this movie. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, this, this is a fun thought here uh, for filming-wise. The scene where Kevin Bacon yells, get out of your pants um, at Rhonda because she's being slowly consumed because she's got all the chicken wire around her pants. For that scene, they didn't rehearse it at all because they wanted her, Finn Carter, the actress, to have like a, a genuine response to Kevin Bacon, like yelling that at her and then like having her having to take her pants off in front of Kevin Bacon for the first time and like kind of make it a little awkward because there's, there's definitely some tension there of like, Ugh, like, I don't uh. know if I want to take my pants off in front of you, Kevin Bacon, right now. <laughs> yeah. If Kevin Bacon came to me and said, take your pants, he wouldn't even get the final syllable out. I'd be like, done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other, like, small filming thing, and this is something to pay attention to. Like, I've mentioned before how this film establishes a lot of things really early on in the film. Like, stuff that, as I've gone through multiple rewatches, I've been like, oh, it's really cool that, you know, they they establish the big truck, like, and 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 its size and, like, you know, the, all its weight and everything, like, early on, like, oh, the pogo stick is, is, like, a really fun idea, and, like, they establish that early on, stuff like that. Actually, the, the opening shot where Val is, like, standing there, wakes up, goes and wakes up Earl after he do, he's done his pee, that's actually where the film ends. That's actually the climactic ending shot, like, the scene on the rock, that's where they were. They're at the same spot. I did not know that. That is really clever. Yeah, I didn't actually notice it either. So it's something that for me as well to pay attention to on my next watch because I will rewatch this movie again. It's almost become an annual watch for me at this point. Like, uh, And if not quite an annual, it's, it's very close to it. I, I really have a lot of fun with this one. 
But yeah, so apparently there's at the end, if you hear a joke about a stampede, that's kind of the callback to make you think about, try to make you think about like the opening scene. But uh, yeah, kind of neat. Interesting. Huh. In terms of rating for the film, I believe the film is rated PG-13. They were trying not to get an R rating from the MPAA, but they were get they got hung up on the language of the film because there's a lot there was a lot of f bombs dropped so there's at least 20 and so they what they ended up doing where they cut all but two of the f bombs out and then some of them they actually dubbed over so like one of the famous lines can you fly sucker <laughs> you paid very close attention he's not saying can you fly sucker wow. as well when Fred Ward says we killed that mother humper, another spot where that was actually dubbed over. You know what? I just raised my I raised my eyebrow at both of those. I thought that was just the movie being cute. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. No, it was actually a little bit of purpose behind that. A little just uh, peering behind the curtain there for a sec. That that kind of reminds me of like the Big Lebowski. Like this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Exactly yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, the score, I I think the score is really effective. You mentioned that you did actually notice it in one particular scene, which is cool. Yay, character development. Yay. The way I would describe the score is like it's got a 90s kind of groove to it that is also kind of mixed in with an outback western kind of theme. That's a good way of describing it. Yeah, it, it's really effective. Like, it really kind of helps develop the setting very well um, while also, like, lending itself to the time. Um, this is a very 90s movie. It came out in 1990. But what's really interesting about the score is actually two things are really interesting about the score that are noteworthy. Uh, the first is that the original score was composed by Ernest Troost um, that apparently the producers didn't think had enough punch to it. So they hired Robert Folk uh, to come on last minute and rescore the entire film. What they ended up doing was actually mixing both of the scores together to make the uh, sound of the movie. So the score kind of like true score has like the more Western-y country vibes uh, with the guitars and the harmonicas and stuff when they have the softer moments and then like the nineties, like the trumpets, violins, all those instruments and everything are like the big epic score. That's a folk score. So they kind of intertwine the two. And in my opinion, again, it's very effective and it's one of my favorite scores of film period. Hmm. And as well, I believe they use re like Reba gets her song at the end. Like it's the second song of the credits. They, the graboids themselves, like the, the sounds that they use for the graboids are actually have been repeatedly used in other films since. So films that you might have heard graboids before, but might not have know it, known it. Predator 2, which came out the same year. Starship Troopers, one of my other favorite sci-fi films of uh, all time. Uh, the movie Ants, that cartoon movie, which we'll do on this podcast at some point, because I remember really enjoying it as a kid. Huh, I don't really remember it. It's the one with Sylvester Stallone as an ant. Oh, yeah, and Christopher Walken as an ant, right. Yeah, exactly. It's a movie that I really, really want to return to because I, I remember there's movies that I remember hating as a kid and there's movies that I remember enjoying as a kid and that was one where I was like surprised, 
like surprisingly like you know what i think this is a good movie as a kid you know hmm. um and so i i want to see if it holds up it's in mosquito in 1994 uh it's also most recently if you watch kong skull island in 2017 that's most recently when you've heard the graboid noises from 1990 huh the more you yeah. know yeah exactly so you know hollywood reusing the same stuff over and over again hey if it ain't broke <laughs> personal reviews and the partner factor at this point everybody knows where i'm i sit on this one so let's hear your thoughts well I, i'm gonna break your heart but like i liked it but i didn't love it you know what i mean oh boo yeah i wasn't as into it as you were like um like i i had a good i had a decent time but i don't think this is one i'll be revisiting anytime soon Mm-hmm. mm-hmm I'm honestly, I'm a little bit surprised because I thought that you were, I thought you were going to be a big fan of this one because like I said, the writing's really strong on this one and it's kind of like got that campiness to it. Like, you know, you and I were big Evil Dead fans growing up, although I think I might be more of an Evil Dead fan at this point than you. So I don't know what's happened to us. Like I do enjoy some camp, but like I think maybe I have to be in a very specific mood for that. Mm. I don't know if yeah. I was exactly in the Tremors mood to see Tremors. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, like I said, I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed the craftsmanship on display. I enjoyed the hamminess of it all, but like it just didn't. I didn't quite pass the vibe check. Fair enough. I I'd be interested in hearing you know, two, three years from now, maybe you're scrolling through Netflix and they add Tremors and you end up rewatching Tremors at some point, like seeing if, if your opinion changes at any point in time as well on it. And in terms of the partner factor, I said to my girlfriend, Emily, I was like, do you want to watch Tremors with me? And she said, no. So <laughs> she had seen it years ago and she vaguely remembered not liking it that much. So fair enough. I, I think this is more of a dumb guy movie than it is. Uh, a dumb girl movie so like Jess calls this movie silly whenever we watch it and she laughs but she says that she doesn't like it and I think a lot of that is shouldered on poor Kevin Bacon because she has a love hate relationship with Kevin Bacon don't we all mostly just because she hates how Kevin Bacon looks which is which is just rude rude. (laughs) just freaking rude yeah but anyway, in my opinion, if a movie makes you laugh and you have fun during it, is it a bad movie? Probably not. Probably, Probably not, not, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the argument about The Room, where it's like, is it a good movie? No. Is it a fun movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Almost yeah, exactly. certainly, yes. <laughs> True. Uh, this movie is significantly better than The Room, though. Uh, let me just say that, yeah. <laughs> so we're getting to the end of the episode. And there is one segment that I have not mentioned yet at all, and that is sequels, prequels, and reboots. Oh, this should be good. I'm about to drop a a bomb on you here. Do you know how many frickin' Tremors sequels there are? Aren't there like eight? There are seven total Tremors movies, so six sequels, plus one 13-episode TV series. That is, you people have no idea what you slept on. And I watched seven Tremors movies this week. <laughs> really? <laughs> I I thought as a gag, what I would do is watch seven Tremors movies in one week. Um, in less than one week, actually. I watched them in the course of about four days. I watched about two Tremors movies a day on average. 
actually it was technically five days because i took a break in the middle and watched a good movie because it was starting to hurt my soul okay so i (laughs) i remember there's this little known contract creator called obscurus lupa and she did a special on the whole tremor series like 10 years ago and i vaguely remember watching it and don't the movies just get sillier and stupider as they go on so what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to, I've come up with a a ranking system for all of the Tremors movies, and I'm going to briefly describe to you every, every Tremors sequel. And and this is partially for the audience as well. Like, you're welcome. I, I did this so that you don't have to, or you don't have to for all of them. Because, spoilers, some of these are not good. That is kind of what I've heard. <laughs> but go on, Blake. I'm I'm right here. I'm interested as well. So I've got to set the bar to start things off with, right? So in my opinion, uh, the first Tremors movie, if I had to rate this movie, I would give Tremors 1 a 5 out of 5 Graboids. Um, And so that's where we're going to set the bar for the Tremors uh, film franchise. I didn't watch the TV series as a side note because seven Tremors movies in a row is already psychotic. Um, I didn't really want to add 13 more episodes to that yeah so. we will we'll let you we'll give you a pass on that one although i will say i have not watched the tremor series but it does star a little known actor named michael gross uh who we're about to talk a whole lot about um reprising his role as burt Gr- gummer and as well co-stars dean norris and uh has appearances like michael rooker it also has appearances like michael rooker in it who the hell is michael rooker He's a character actor. People people will know who Michael Rooker is. You might not, but people okay, do. Okay, if you say so. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we've got we've got six more Tremors movies to talk about right now. I'm gonna go through them real quickly and rank them for you. Uh, starting with Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Tremors 2 Aftershocks starts us off several years after the original Tremors movie. Fred uh, Ward actually reprises his role as Earl. Oh, good for him. And this is both a pro and a con for the film. It sets Fred Ward off. He's living on his own little private ranch. He's uh, raising horses, but he had his 15 minutes of fame. He had his moment in the sun, and now he's kind of more or less broke. They ended up basically getting screwed out of all of the money from the Graboids, and he's extremely bitter about it. In a way, it's really fun because it's like, damn, this is a really realistic way that this would have gone, right? Like, you know, somebody gets their 15 minutes of fame. Everybody's like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this thing happened in this town, right? And then the world kind of moves on. And, you know, the, the little guy isn't able to capitalize on things and and you know his life kind of turns to shit eventually and so in a sense i really like that and even at one point like so he's at his house kind of thing and it shows a picture of him and kevin bacon on people magazine together which is like a a mention in the movie oh yeah uh, yeah, they like to be on people magazine yeah so it's it's really fun in a sense but i also hate that it kind of retcons the end of the movie to like because that end of the movie is really happy and like everybody kind of you know survives and and succeeds and you know it's a really happy uplifting moment but kevin bacon's character uh val and Rhonda do end up getting married having a kid but they don't appear in the movie obviously good for them but on the on the flip side there's kind of like this bitterness that earl has towards val and like i didn't i didn't like that i didn't like that part at all so they set up like this is the other part that i hate about the tremors too is that the the, the idea of the film is that basically in mexico the 
worms have reappeared in Mexico and they're attacking uh, Mexican oil refineries. So the whole film is about Earl being hired to save the Mexican oil refineries, which is has significantly less heart than the first film. Okay. They decide at the beginning, um, there's a character that comes to basically try to hire him. And he's actually convinced instead by the character of Grady, who is the cab driver, who is basically like a big old nerd who just loves the idea of Graboids, knows all about Earl, and is basically convinces him to take the contract because the contract is every Graboid you kill is $50,000. And so Grady's like, I know everything about Graboids take me with you basically. And so it literally is a joke, a running joke throughout the movie that he's like the stand in uh, for Kevin Bacon's character. And it's, and I will say that Grady's character is somewhat endearing. Like he's, he's, he's an actor that you've never heard of before. You've probably never seen, but he's kind of got this like look of like, he's, he's, I don't know. He's got this like bit of charm to him. He's, he's actually a relatively charismatic character. The negative I'll say about the character, though, is that the character doesn't understand rock, paper, scissors. And for me, writing a character that dumb is a little bit of a deal breaker for me. That's that's a tough one, yeah. The other part of the movie that can be a positive or a negative for you is that the Graboids evolve, like I said, into, uh, they call them Shriekers, and they're basically like Velociraptors because this movie, uh, the first movie comes out pre-Jurassic Park. This movie comes out in 96 or 97 after Jurassic Park, and so halfway through the movie it kind of becomes like a jurassic park knockoff your mileage is going to vary on that but there's some really big and fun explosions that if you're going to go check this movie out uh, i don't want to spoil necessarily so overall analysis of the movie this movie is considered the best direct-to-video sequel of a film ever made or one of the best direct-to-sequel they actually debated putting this in movie theaters because of how much test audiences liked it I'm going to give this one a three out of five Graboids. Uh, It's probably my second favorite film of the sequel series because it is actually really fun. Grady as a character is not a bad stand-in, but there's some deal breakers like really dumb writing. Like literally nobody in the world doesn't know how to play rock, paper, scissors and to like write a character and that being like a repeated thing that he just doesn't understand rock, paper, scissors is like, that's a, a big writing deal breaker for me. Tremors 3. Oh, sorry. I didn't even mention that Burt Gummer comes back. They After the uh, Graboids evolve, they call Burt Gummer up, who's been divorced from Helen. Oh, no. Yeah. Again, that like I said, sucks. they, they, they kind of like ruin a lot of like the retcon, a lot of like the happiness to the ending of the first one. Um, and so he's miserable just eating chips and watching old war movies in his, the basement of his place. And so uh, this movie kind of gives him life and purpose again. And there's some really great scenes with him in this movie. And this is the start of the Burt Gummer film series. Because after this movie, Burt Gummer becomes the main character of the next six Tremors movies. Okay. And I got to say... They could have picked a worse character to go with because his like stubborn, like prepper, like they they make jokes about him being like a hard right, like prepper guy. Like it's fun. And he's takes himself very seriously throughout the films. And Tremors 3, back to perfection, is what they call it. Okay. I will submit this if you Google it as the worst movie poster I've ever seen. It looked like somebody created it in about 20 minutes um, in Photoshop who had never heard of Photoshop before. 
it goes back to perfection, like the title suggests. They go back to the town. Most of the townsfolk from the original movie actually make an appearance in the film. Wow, or okay, you were right. Film. That is a terrible movie poster. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I will say that this one has more, in my opinion, it's probably a worse movie than Tremors 2, but it has more heart than the second one because it brings back all of the original characters. The gra- Oh, I forgot to say the other terrible part of uh, Tremors 2. The other terrible part of Tremors 2 is that they end up figuring out that the Tremors, uh, they give the Tremors a backstory. They give them the backstory that they find a fossil of one of the Tremors. And so that these Tremors have been around human existence for, or on earth for millions of years. That's dumb. I don't like that. I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that that was written into the films. Uh, and that's also why Tremors 2 lose a point for me. Tremors 3, the they evolve again, and they evolve into uh, what they call ass blasters, uh, which is my favorite thing in the world. They become flying uh, velociraptor-type beings that are propelled through the air by emitting fiery emissions out of their butts and that's why they call them ass blasters it's awesome it's a lot of fun the only con that i have to this movie is that mindy returns as i said all of the townsfolk the original actors return which is great really like that but unfortunately mindy as an actor has not progressed in her acting skills and i couldn't believe how poorly her performance was in this film yikes from what i read she retires after more or less after this movie and a couple other tv appearances and now is actually a really respected artist so good on her for finding like something that she's extremely talented at because acting unfortunately is not one of them hey we're all and the special we're all looking for something we're extremely talented at (laughs) yeah And the special effects in this movie are really bad because this is like early 2000s and we're into CGI and there's a lot less money available for this film. So they're they're real bad. Real, real, real bad. Otherwise, I give this movie Tremors 3 Back to Perfection 3.5 Graboids out of 5 Graboids. It's my personal favorite of the entire sequel series. I had a lot of fun with this one. I think that they understood part of what made the first one tick and they got back to that. Okay, cool. So, yeah, my personal favorite of all of the sequel films. Tremors 4, The Legend Begins. Uh, this is easily the worst of the all of the films. Uh, actually, the second worst. Uh, I rated one worse than this one. Uh, Tremors 4 actually takes place 150 or so years prior to the end of the first movie. Uh, it decides to go full Western. Okay, This is the movie that they clearly had the most micro budgets for. The... <laughs> Honestly, the movie is kind of a Western melodrama. It's not even really a horror, I would say. Like, uh, they had such a low budget that there's maybe 15 minutes of Graboids in the entire movie. It's definitely the worst acted film of the entire series. I think if you're more predisposed to Westerns than I am, then you might get a, have a little bit more fun out of this one. But I was extremely bored. Although, there's one actor who makes an appearance in this film as kind of like the badass of the film and he's a famous like villain uh from western hist- movie history and his name is billy drago uh who plays blackhand kelly in tremors 4 he is the uh main villain in clint eastwood's pale rider uh which is a movie that we recently talked about on the oh, podcast yeah that guy and brian de palma is the untouchables so Huh. Yeah, he kind of he's 
kind of one of the highlights of the film. Burt Gummer also appears in here because Burt Gummer is one of his own ancestors. Uh, like he's he's a Gummer um, and he owns a mine, in which case they've mistakenly awakened the Tremors and things go awry and he comes from the city to uh, figure out why his mind is no longer making money and in the way learns a thing or two about uh, roughing it. So hated it. One of my least favorite movies, the whole Tremor series, 1.5 out of five grab ones. I might actually check it out just for curiosity's <laughs> sake. It actually, I'm looking at images of it right now. It looks kind of fun. <laughs> it's incredibly skippable. I would say that Tremors 4 and one other movie on this list, you could completely skip if you wanted to hit up all the Tremors movies because it's bad. Okay. Uh, Tremors 5, Bloodlines. This is a more modern take on the Tremors franchise. I believe the Tremor, this Tremors film comes out in 2015, actually. Really? And so this one's kind of reminds me of like the later Rambo films where we kind of just like forsake all of the ideas of the film and just make a generic action movie it kind of feels like a reboot of like you know i don't know rambo 5 pick your pick your rambo sequel that you may or may not have seen it takes place in south africa the graboids have shown up there and so burt gummer is hired to go do that as well as one of the biggest negatives of the film is that it also stars jamie kennedy which the internet really hates and also one of is one of the stars of the worst movie of all time, The Mask 2. <laughs> Unfortunately for the guy, he just doesn't really have a whole lot of charisma. He's, he's incredibly unlikable. But otherwise, the film is very derivative of like 80s, 90s action movies. Like, and it calls back to them often. Like it honestly like mentions Rambo. It quotes Die Hard. There's comments about Jurassic Park in it. Um, like it, wear, it wears its influences on its sleeve honestly it kind of feels like a history channel type of show like the monster hunter alien centric kind of idea like it 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 feels like it's a a movie made in that kind of idea and that kind of uh uh spirit and so if you like watching like garbage tv honestly you might have fun with tremors 5 because like i said it's kind of a dumb action movie that wears its heart on its sleeve uh jamie kennedy's not great but uh, Michael Gross is back as Burt Gummer as always and having fun in South Africa honestly not a terrible movie not a good movie uh, 2.5 out of 5 graboids for that one Tremors 6 a cold day in hell uh, this is easily the worst film of the entire franchise ah. uh, this film actively kind of made me angry the start of the film opens up uh, so basically the film is set in Nanavit province Canada Yes, I'm saying it wrong because in the opening scene they spell none of it wrong uh, in the opening title card of the film, and then call call it a province for the entire film. Which, as a Canadian, I'm slightly offended by um, that they couldn't even be bothered to actually like pay attention to basic geography. Huh. The movie that has like just the most unnecessary plot points in it. Let me set this up for you. The movie s- takes place in none of it, uh, where the basically the tremors because of climate change have been awoken, uh, or the graboids have been awoken in the Arctic because of melting. Val's daughter makes an appearance in this because reasons. She just happens to be there while this is happening. Bert, three movies back, Gummer was actually swallowed by a tremor in a really fun sequence in like the third movie. And 
in a sudden reference back to that movie, he was actually poisoned at that point, like 15 years ago, and is suffering now from the poison of that moment. And that's really annoying. Uh, DARPA's involved for reasons. And there's also excess energy drink consumption, which has a plot point in this film. They literally threw, throw like every single possible thing at the wall to see if it sticks. And it's miserable. The actual like setting of the film is really cool in the first like 20 minutes. It's a beautiful barren landscape that they're filming. And then they decide afterwards that they don't have a budget to film any more of it other than on the small set of where this outpost is. And the rest of the movie is just just at their small base camp. And all of the side characters of this film both feel uh, extremely overwritten and also extremely underwritten at the same time. None of them have anything fun to add to the film franchise. And uh, Jamie Kennedy is back. And... Uh, surprise, he's actually Bert's uh, son that he never knew about, which is set up at the end of the last film, but like it's really harped on in this movie and it's awful. Yeah, I hate this movie. You can very much skip this one. It's the worst movie of the entire series. One out of five Graboids. Okay, I'm annoyed. <laughs> I, got a lot <laughs> I of hope second- you are. I got a lot of secondhand annoyance right now. I did this for you, and that movie sucked the life out of me. I feel like it, just hearing about it sucked the life out of me. Yeah, I I am upset, and you should be too. Okay. And the final film of the series, Tremors 7, Shrieker Island. So John Hedder of the Napoleon Dynamite uh, fame actually stars in this film alongside uh, Michael Gross. Jamie Kennedy is sidelined, thank God. It's... In the, the opening scene of the film, it just basically explains him away as being in a Mexican jail. And they basically just go, yeah, he's kind of an idiot. Uh, he ended up in a Mexican jail. And that's ah. all we hear of him. So that's great. Uh, John Hedder's having a lot of fun in this one. It's shot in Thailand, uh, like on location in some like small remote Thai islands. So it's very much a film that is part Predator, part Rambo, like... And it honestly, like, it even takes, like, some of the ideas from Predator about, like, the... And this was goes back to, like, the earlier films, but the Ass Blasters basically have, like, Predator abilities where instead of, like, sensing by vibrations, they sense by heat. And so there's, like, literal shots of them, like, viewing people. Basically, like, the setup of this is that there's a biotech company that owns a couple of islands here. And on one of the islands, all of the rich owners of the biotech company have bred graboids, um for sport hunting and so uh some scientists on another island realize that they've done this and that uh these graboids are going to get off the island and that they're going to murder all of the local peoples living in thailand and that's bad and so they hire Bert grummer back one last time honestly like it's kind of a neat movie like the setting's really beautiful like it and and it's shot really well in thailand um the bad guy of the film the billionaire is the guy who plays a ser- serial killer in barbarian um from the last couple of years oh and he's a really he's a really good villain honestly and like he just he acts really well i would say the villain's kind of meh but he he's a good performance Honestly, it's it's a relatively fun film. Like again, it's part Predator, part Rambo, but it has a lot of nods to the original series, and there's a bit of fun with it. And I thought it was the strongest of the the three movies that come later. Like this one actually was released in 2020. I think this is the high point of those three films. And it, honestly, it's a pretty good send off for Burt Gummer and the series as a whole. So I give it a three out of five graboids. Okay. Wow, that was yeah. 
thank you for doing <laughs> we're that. expecting that that was a lot um okay <laughs> i think i think so, it's, I, yes. think, I think it's time to wrap this up <laughs> <laughs> you're done with me talking about graboids eh kind of <laughs> in conclusion if you're a massive fan of the first movie and you want some bonus content you're gonna have fun with the second and third movies probably like they're not good movies that's why i rated them out of graboids and set the first movie as a five out of five graboids out of 10 because you know if rating bad movies out of 10 is kind of arbitrary um feels kind of pointless i think the fourth and sixth movies should be skipped at all costs uh and they don't add anything to the series as a whole and again if you if you want to see burt gummer having an action and adventure role the fifth and seventh movies you're gonna have fun with like if you want to see burt gummer this wiry older man at this point now having badass lines about being prepared and you know taking on the role of rambo half at her <laughs> i'm kind of intrigued i might check a couple of them out i don't even know if anybody's listening at this point to my insane ranting for the last like 20 minutes but here we are <laughs> i've been fading in and out but i'm still here <laughs> cool otherwise that's it i i did a lot this time we're never going to talk about these tremors movies again so you're welcome, everyone out there still paying attention. Thank you, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, next week we've got the primer episode for one of your favorite movies of all time. Oh, I thought you were going to say it. No, I was um, about... Okay, Groundhog Day. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> Groundhog Day. And I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't watched this movie since 2020, I think. But it is a classic. It's one of Bill Murray's favorite movies. Or one of Bill Murray's best movies. And we haven't done Bill Murray yet on the podcast. I don't think we have, no. So, yeah. Solid movie. One that you could you could watch annually if you wanted to. I don't, but you could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Instead, to- I watched seven Gra- Tremors movies this week. So, now you have that knowledge, and so do I. And... And my life is enriched in strange ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode. I'm sorry. You're welcome. Kind of equal on both of them. 60-40. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Stay out of the desert, I guess. And tell your dad. Tell your dad. Tell your dad about the worms. And then about us. Right. In that order. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.